Hello. What's going on, man? What's going on, man? What's going on? What's going on? So, hey, look, we're back at it again, you know, so it's all good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, first off, I just want to say, everybody that's out listening to this podcast right now, this is an educational uh, empowerment podcast. My name is Trey Tavius, and I typically interview people who are entrepreneurs, uh, whoever has a story, really, because I honestly feel like everybody has a story, rather than you striving to, to go after your dreams or you're striving to do something to better the community. I'm all for uh, interviewing people who just have a, a successful story or who is in the making of creating their own story, their own lane. So I'm super excited to be interviewing Principal Ra. I, yes, sir. And I've watched, like, I don't know. I don't know how I found you on Instagram. I don't know where, but <laughs> I found you from somewhere. And I was like, man, this dude is dope. Like, oh, I appreciate it. Kids, you just like them. I was like, man, I wish I had a principal like that when I was in school. So, yeah, you're really inspiring, man, for sure, for sure. So, can we go ahead and get started? So, I guess you can kind of tell tell the people a little bit about you and who you are and what you're about. Cool, cool. No, man, thanks for those words, man. I appreciate you for uh, just reaching out so I can be part of this, man. It's, it's really humbling to be interviewed and just to share my story, man. So, I definitely appreciate that. Uh, a little bit about myself, man. I'm a founding principal, uh, Principal Raw, Amen Raw. Uh, first name is Amen. I get that a lot. It is spelled just like at the prayer, A-M-E-N. And uh, I'm a founding principal, born and raised from Compton, and uh, just trying to change the game in, re- in regards of education and change the way we we imagine education, change the way that we approach education for just kids. And that's that's really what I'm about. Uh, I want to change the narrative around people that come from Compton. Uh, like I tell many people, when people hear Compton, they see a black man or like brown, Latino man or a woman, and they hear Compton, they have all these stereotypes and they have all these stigmas and they think about this, that, and the third. And it's about, nah, let's, 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 let's change that narrative let's change that definition of being a product of Compton and coming straight out of Compton so that's really what I'm about right right so I guess you could kind of um if you don't mind discussing what are some of the stereotypes that people who may not know you know what what people think of when they hear Compton yeah for those who don't know man and and, and uh, those who do they hear Compton they, they think about just all right this person black man must must have had it rough must have been involved with some kind of story of drug, violence, gangs, you know, homicide, single parent household, just the stereotypes and uh, the media portrayal that is just given on a daily basis when it comes to that, that stereotype of black men, and especially coming from the city in which I come from, not saying there isn't struggles or there's peaches and cream, but uh, there's a lot more to the story and to the city than just everybody having a story of gang violence, uh, murder, homicide, you know what I mean? We we got some really great things coming from the city uh, and that's continually be, being produced from the city that I want to make sure that that's out of the forefront. Right, right. Got you, got you. So what 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 was it like for you in terms of just growing up in company? Like, what were some of the things that you were exposed to? How was it in school? Were you, you, know, you go, what, what hardships did you go through or challenges that you had to face? You know, I think the challenges is, is like many students across America, uh, similar, I mean, Detroit, similar to just different areas where you're talking about uh, targeted poverty 
and targeted racism and targeted just uh, wealth gap control. Uh, you you experience just different things, such as just uh, trying to figure out how to survive, just different things, and experiencing that trauma through uh, your friends and stuff. For for us though, or, or from a holistic approach, man, we had an amazing childhood. I mean, we grew up in Sunny Cove. For those who don't know, uh, Sunny Cove, we could have easily just started a started a hood, started a gang in our own little neighborhood. But we had a good village. I mean, from just throwing playing throw up tackle to just uh, I mean, from everything, playing marbles in the street to just having a just really dope childhood. Was we exposed to different things from different hoods? Yep. We had people that come up in our neighborhood that, that wanted to see and see what we were about and see if we were starting the hood. And we had that. We had people come and try to steal stuff. I mean, it was just, I mean, it's just some things that come with the territory. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie about it. Uh, you had people that just, you know, you had drug dealers from the neighborhood. You had people that went the other way and had, you had, you had that stuff, but you also had a lot of, you know, parents that looked out for us. We had a lot of just different things that were going on that we were, we were a family. And we are, to this day, as grown men and women, we, we still consider each other family and we still support each other. So it's, it's really dope. Right, right, right. Most definitely, man. That That's that's what's up, man. Did, how, now, growing up, were you ever approached? Like, I know you say people <clears throat> came over, but has anybody, like, actually approached you and said, hey, man, you should join this gang, you should come with us, and we can I mean. Just- not not necessarily, not necessarily like, oh, no, you should join this hood. It, it was more or less association. You know what I'm saying? It was just you you grow up, you know, you're going to, you're going to school. You you just have your friends and you, you build uh, a bond that it's like, yo, it's, it's protective. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's what society, I mean, institutional racism and, and, and trauma and the Jim Crow has done a number on just society and on a mind where it's just survival. And when you got your peers, you're just like, oh, we got to we got to build a unit. It's us. We got to be connected. And the next thing you know, that two to three people turn into seven people. And that seven people turn into, you know, 11, 12 people. And then you look up, you're like, oh, this the, is the squad. You know what I mean? And you make a decision like, OK, this is the squad. But are we going to try to create something that's similar to the mode of trying to create a hood and create all this? Or are we going to say, you know what, hey, we just family. We're gonna we're gonna get through this, we're gonna connect, we're gonna continue to look for the great things that we can do, uh inspiring each other. So I was the youngest. So luckily, you know, my brothers and people that was uh, a little bit older than me, you know, they 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 did their thing on not trying to create that uh create that situation for me, even though I even I was seeking it at a young at a youth. I was actually kind of trying to trying to look for it. And uh God blessed me not to really go too deep into it. Right, right. Okay, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense, man. So, what what prevented you from like going too deep? Or I know that we kind of discussed before that you said that your first option was not education. Like, that was not the first thing on your mind. No, 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 not at all. So, like, mm-hmm. like my family, you know, my father, youngest of six, five brothers and sisters. I mean, I got a brother that's a professor at the University of Denver. A sister that was the principal, sister, two other sisters that uh, one is a, a coordinator at a K through 12 school, another one is a teacher at a K through 12 school, and then it's me as a principal. But growing up seeing them, I was I didn't want to I didn't want to be no educator. My father was a teacher, my mom was a substitute teacher. I just seen it as a just man, you ain't making no money, you ain't getting no girls, you ain't getting none. Of, it ain't it ain't a glamour position. It wasn't cool. 
So I looked for other things. I like I, I wanted to be a rapper. I wanted to be a football player. That was where the money was at. That was where the fame was at. That was where the girls was at. That was where the respect was at. You know what I mean? And a lot of people growing up didn't respect no educator. They just started with you couldn't make it in society, so you just you know you fell on that. So I didn't I didn't want that. So um, you know I was pursuing heavy. I started off as rapping. My uh, sister boyfriend, his name was Wax. He was from a hood. I thought that was I thought it was dope. He had respect. He 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 was considered like a young and up and coming person that was putting in work from his hood. So I, I gravitated towards that, you know, and uh he heard me rap, he wrote some raps for me and they called me solo. And that's that's what I was that's what I was looking forward to. I was doing that stuff. And you know, I started to really see that lifestyle a little bit more. And uh but I always knew I had a father at home. And what was different from me, from a lot of my people that I was around was that, you know, I was going back to home where I had a good cooked meal, had neighborhood of friends that was cool, where a lot of the people I was rapping with and being solo with, I mean, they was there 24-7. That, that, that mindset was it was 24-7. So when I, lost, when I got out of that and I started to really dive into football, I lost my scholarship in football. And to just make it a quick story, uh, I, I just love motivating people. I love inspiring people. And then I just was looking for a job, became a teacher assistant, and then started to see teachers and educators um, not really connect with kids. And that's what motivated me to like dive in more and as I dove in more into that profession, I just really fell in love with it and fell in love with just trying to inspire and provide critical hope for the community and ultimately the nation. So you became a teacher assistant after you graduated college or was it oh, during college? No, yeah, this was during. So I became a teacher assistant. So I lost my scholarship uh, at 17 during the summertime. So I, I told my PCL. Uh, I was recruited to play defense, defensive end, defensive tackle. Uh, at the college I was at, you know, they was – they was just like, yeah, you know what, you you need to play offense alignment. And if you play football, it's a big difference between offense alignment and defense alignment. So, Definitely. you know, when they they was like, you could be a great pulling guard. I'm like, nah, listen, I didn't come all the way out here to Alabama to be a pulling guard. You know what I mean? So uh, me and the offensive line coach and defensive line coach got, got into it. And I was playing basketball and hyperextended my knee, tore my ACL, PCL. And uh, they wanted to switch after I got done. And I was like, I'm not switching. And they was like, man, you need to send your butt back to Compton. And at that time, 17, you know, arrogant. I was like, well, y'all can send me back to Compton. Y'all wanted me. I didn't want y'all. And they, well, guess what? They sent me back to Compton. <laughs> and uh, I was on the plane, you know, literally in tears. Man, I remember because I was just like, yo, this is crazy. My dreams is that's a pretty much done. But I found out I didn't really love football. And I, I went back to school, and I just as I was going back to school, as I was in college, that's how I be, that's when I became a teacher assistant. And then um, when when that happened, as a teacher assistant, I just I just continued to grow. I became a substitute teacher, then a teacher, and then a coordinator, and then principal. So I'm not sure how it works there. So for so you could be a teacher assistant with, without a degree. Um, yeah. In yeah. 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 So I'll. Uh, I was uh, in Long. I was in a city called Long Beach, um, and yeah, we were. Oh, you could be a you could be a teacher assistant without a college degree. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Okay. Okay. So, how how were you able just even just being a teacher assistant? What was it like for you creating those relationships with um with the kids in a in a community? How how did that go? Like how do you, how were you able to 
connect with them and you know build that relationship with them and make yourself relatable pretty much i think i think man i think the main thing when you talk when you're talking about learning i'm not even going to talk about the, the teaching and connecting part when you're talking about learning the, the human psychology behind the brain is most people learn from people that they know or they connect with and people two things people that they connect with it's the first part, and people that can deliver a message that they understand. And if we break it down to the simplest form of understanding, and knowing through my experience, I, I experienced it. I experienced, you know, making a decision like, am I going to fully go and be from from this hood that I that I'm really looking up to this person is about? You know what I'm saying? When I wanted to be a solo, that I really want to dive into just being this athlete. That I really, I didn't really like school. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see the relevance of school. I didn't connect with that, you know? Uh, and so I, I I understood the dynamic of many of the kids that I was in front of. And I was still 17, you know what I'm saying? So when I walked in, I was just like, yo, we got to do what we have to do to do what you want to do. And just trying to give them game on the, on the best way I could. And that's how that, that respect came. And it was just, it was just easy, man. It's just like you... When you when you're growing up and you're trying to change the narrative and you understand the, the bigger picture and you understand it's chess in regards of this long game and it's not checkers, uh, I think those who know can respect it, they gravitate towards it, and then once that happens, you can deliver a message that they understand. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's some. That's. Hey, man. That's, that's knowledgeable right there. I appreciate. It. <laughs> what was um. Do you remember the first time that you made an impact? Like, I get like if you was to pick one single person, and you was and how how did that make you feel? So you made the impact, you made the difference, and what was that like? You was like, man, this person is rough around the edges. This person is probably never going to change, and he ain't he or she is not trying to listen, or whatever the case may be. And like, how was that experience? Kind of walk me through that. How was that experience? Yeah, man. Uh, it was actually when I was a teacher assistant. It was. It was just an, it was another kid from Compton. We was in Long Beach, another kid from Compton. And take it more, I'm 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 17, about to go 18 years old. You know what I'm saying? Because I was in college, um, turning 18. I'm I'm working here as a teacher assistant. This kid is 15. You know what I'm saying? Because I graduated high school early. So this kid 15. I mean, you know, we two years apart, but you know, we two years we two years apart. And to be, he just wrote me letters saying in the class, like, yo, yo, it's unbelievable, like, how you two years older than me, you know, you're my inspiration, you're trying to, you, you're doing things, and I, I just really appreciate that and all the knowledge you gave me, like a big brother. And uh, that's when I knew, I was like, yo, man, this is, this is my calling. This is, this is my hidden treasure, you know, to, to have somebody that is literally, I could... You know, some usually people you know, two seventeen, fifteen. You know, I don't know if you ever experienced when you when you was in school, high school or something, middle school, and they try to put you as the, uh, the leader with a group or something, and you trying to set rules and other people in a group like you just you ain't the teacher, you just like me. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I mean, that that could have been a situation easy, you know, like. Yeah. But you know, that employer seen something in me and. Uh, to know that I impacted him at, at, a, at a young age, that is when it was really special to me that that this is this is what I was born to do. Wow, that's and so you were seventeen as a teacher assistant. 
Yeah. Wow. And those kids, and a lot of those kids actually respected you and listened to you. Yep, yep, wow. yep. I mean, and I was at a non-public school, so okay. I don't know how it is out there, but we was at a non-public school. This is this is a school in which students, this is their last chance. It's a level 12 facility, so if they didn't get it together there, they would be either going to the California Youth Authority, which is like the uh, jail, in lack of a better phrase, or they was going to get hospitalized. And or the other alternative is this was a pathway. So a pathway back to public school or a pathway to a more restricted area. And you got, I mean, you got an experience like no other when it comes to really trying to inspire and, and create a pathway of hope for students uh, that have had different traumas from institutional uh, trauma to uh, community trauma and to relational trauma. Mm, mm, got you. Okay. Did, did you ever feel like, so as you was, I guess, climbing up the ladder to be a teacher assistant, then became a teacher, et cetera, did you ever feel like you were, like, supported in the mission as you were trying to continue to grow, knowing that yeah. this is my purpose? Like, did you feel like you were supported from your community, just just the school staff in general? You know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think everybody has their village of support. You don't get to, you don't get to. Well, for me, I don't feel like I would have got to where I gotten without the support from my Lord and Savior, my wife, my family, uh, my mentors. I mean, we I've had surrounded myself with great mentors who've given me just game on how to continue to develop. And then, of course, I mean, like the study of epistemology is the study of knowledge. I mean, and epistemology, the study of knowledge is through you actually going through the experience or the question that is posed is like, what is knowledge and how do you gain knowledge? Does it always have to be through experience or can you learn through other people's experience? And I believe the quote uh, that a lot, of, a lot of people know, the well-known quote is, you know, uh, a, a smart person will try to go through and learn through their experiences and that's the only way of their learning. But a wise person will uh, listen to those who have come before them. And I wanted to listen to those who came before me while also understanding that I need that experience as well. Because, I mean, I, I was only an assistant principal for a year and a half before I became a principal. So I had to, like, take a leap of faith and take that jump because it was it was a fast forward type of thing. So to answer your question, absolutely. I had people that were behind me. I had people that seen my hustle, seen my grind, and seen my uh, authentic self uh, and want to be part of that. But then I also had some some colleagues that was like, nah, you know, you need to go and do your time. You know what I mean? Like, you, you're too young. You you need to do 10 years. You need to stop. Hold on, young buck. You need to, you know, I got all that too. And and people that tried to get me to resign when I was a teacher and stuff like that. So, you know, I got it from both, I got it from both ends. You know what I'm saying? Wow. What was that like? I mean, I would think that I would think that if you are making a difference, you're making a change, and that's what people always preach about. Why, why would, why, why were there people that were encouraging you to resign or even, you know, yeah. get like settled, you know? Yeah, point. yeah. I, I mean, I think from this, talking about that particular situation, this is all, you know, speculation in regards to what I feel. But, you know, I was at this time, during the time where this teacher, this fellow teacher was trying to get me to turn in my resignation was uh, I was a teacher in, at a middle school in which my father graduated from. And uh, I was over the department. 
I was what, 20, I think I was like 23, 24. I was over to the department and I, you know, I, I, she was, she came in and I just think that she felt like, well, you, you, you could be my son <laughs> type of thing. That's, that's, that's the energy I got from it. It was like, you could be my son and I, I ain't feeling this type of thing. And I did this thing called, uh, I don't know if you remember a couple years ago, I think it was like 2011 or something. They had something called the Harlem Shake Challenge where, you know, they had the song and then like you kind of in this normal position and then they do it through how it's edited. You like, then you wild and you dancing and stuff like that. So it was called the Harlem Shake. People can look it up. It's called the Harlem Shake video. So I did this with my students. I provided incentive for attendance, uh, grades, and we, we rocked it out. And then uh, they was walking around I mean, it went mini viral at our school. So other students, I think, were superstars and stuff. So this teacher kind of just wrote a long email to the principal saying that I was, you know, abusing the kids. I forced them to do it. I didn't what? get parent approval. Uh, yeah, it was all crazy. Like, this is on YouTube. And this this is, like, uh, putting students at risk for, for FERPA and all, all, all kind of stuff. And... Um, yeah, man. So it was really a stressful time early in my career because I'm like, yo, you're just trying to change something and uh, it's not looked up on as that. So, I mean, we got through it. It was stressful. You know, uh, we had to go through this whole process. But, yeah, it was it was, it was definitely uh, somebody that was uh, assassinating my character as a teacher. Wow, man. I would have never thought that you would have experienced that, you know, doing all the things that you're you're doing. I would have I would have never thought that. You know, I think a lot of times, man, and I, I guess not just based, based, just sometimes in general, I just feel like sometimes older people, it's like they're just stuck on one traditional way. And it's like, it's like, it's, it, you, it's, it's different times now. So yeah. the traditional ways, to me personally, is not going to, be able to connect that's just like okay so for example if i was to take a church and say you know i want to be able to reach to the younger people in the community but yeah you know you got a long drawn worship service and the the churches um they will abandon like maybe like positive hip-hop music or having young people up there performing or dancing or you know really just showcasing how talented they are Versus they want to do things like the traditional way. Like, there's been, like, churches. I know it's kind of, like, off track, but it's just, yeah. just an example. Like, there's churches that, hey, man, you know, this is not the way. This We're going to stick to this one traditional way. And that traditional way is, is just not the way anymore, you know? So Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think I think that's what's really – I mean, I, I totally agree. I think it's, I think it's really important to have uh, a connection and to truly – like my father told me, he said, you know, one thing is being a parent. You won't know how good you were as a parent until your kids are adults. Wow. Until yeah. until they're in a position to, to show you when you are in your dire need or different things come up that you have instilled the values that you wanted to instill in them. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you, 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 and it resonated with me. And if you've done a good job as a church or as an organization, then when you pass that baton, you should be passing that, that baton as a transition, as a rites of passage to say that I have done a great job bringing you up so you, you know that this person is going to take in with the right intentionality and the right approach to move the movement and the core of the movement forward. 
And I think like there is a generational uh, a divide, for lack of a better phrase, in regards of understanding that new doesn't mean bad and that the values of what the movement is about uh, is more important than any one individual. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's that's just how I feel. And but yeah, man, you know, even in the, as a principal, um, I mean, I've I've gotten people that have approached me and said, like, you know what, your your attire is unprofessional. Uh, what you wear and how you speak is not, you know, the best. I've I've gotten that. Uh, wow. So I mean, that's just that's just the reality, man. And when you when you're trying to change something or when you're trying to move something forward. Uh, that is could be looked upon as anti-traditional. Uh, sometimes what you can consider yourself trying to be a hero, you can be looked upon as a villain. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, man. And like I said, I, I, hey, man, you know, it was so funny when I seen you uh, on Instagram. I said, man, I said, wait, principals be dressing out like that, like dope like that. I said, hey, that's cool, man. Like, that's real dope, man. That's that. That's that's really what makes it all relatable too. Like especially when I feel like too, like when I don't know what it is, but well, kids I know like little like small kids, maybe like elementary kids. I feel like they can they connect more with, with people when they wear casual clothes. I don't know, it's something about it. I don't know what it is. I think I think I think people connect, and it's not saying that anybody everybody needs to wear casual thing. I think people connect to authenticity. Yeah, I think people connect with that person is being authentic to themselves. Yeah. And I think, like, for me growing up, too, I mean, you had to, you know, I, you got to sometimes learn how to suppress your true just nature because you got a code switch in different in different worlds. Like, still to this day, you gotta, I became artful with code switching, right? And then, like W.E.B. Du Bois said, you know, you get so much in this double consciousness of working in multiple worlds that you lose a piece of yourself your authentic self because you you being this chameleon with this group you being this with this group because you know you're looked upon as a certain way when you when you have a strong voice or you're confident as a black man in america you know you looked at it, it's fearful when you walk into a group of people that don't look like you you got to speak a certain way or you won't be looked upon as being intelligent you got to dress a certain way because you won't be looked upon as being intelligent and you got to do this so much and do this so much until you at least get to a position where you could say like i don't have to do that anymore right <laughs> and that's where you look and that's where you're trying to fight for independency uh so i mean for me as a principal i wanted to let my students know like you know you don't get a glimpse of who i truly am yeah you're gonna get me in the suits and stuff because i got meetings and i gotta do that and i want to let you know like yo it's really good to be in suits. You got to be versatile, you know? But I also want to let you know, like, they're CEOs of multi-billion dollar industries and million dollar industries, million dollar companies that's wearing some jeans and some bands and a shirt and is yeah. some of the brightest people in the world. And I have to tell other professionals that, listen, I can wear a, a, a three-piece suit and be the most naive or the most evil person that's harmful to kids too. So just because you're wearing a suit don't mean that you can just trust anybody. So I wanted to just, you know, let people know this is who I am and uh, this is what you're going to get. Wow. I love it. I love it, man. Being totally you. And like you said, being authentic about it. Well, I think, yeah, that wins the day. So I guess kind of just break down, man. So you went from, you know, I guess like I guess the traditional ways, you know, maybe like well, I know they call it here 
paraprofessional, then you move up, you become a teacher. Yep. And yes, you become a director over a program. What what's what what inspired you to like take it to a different level and say, I'm going to start my own school within the within the district? Like what made you make that move? You, you know what? Uh whew, I think it was just being being like fearless. I mean from just just from being wanting to be an artist, from wanting to be a rapper, from wanting to be a football player, from wanting to have all that, you know, you growing up, you like, man, you gotta go big or go home. And my mom taught me, like, ain't nobody gonna if I gotta believe in you more than you believe in yourself, you in trouble. You know what Ooh, I'm saying? That's like that's that's what my mom that's that's just how we grew up, you know. It was just like be home. Like if if I'm out there yelling for you and I want it more than you, then you're not gonna win at it. So uh, when I always, always had that hustler mentality of trying to inspire and try to do that. So when it, when it came to an opportunity where they was looking for a principal to, to open up the school, write a grant and all that stuff, even, although the requirement was at least a minimum three years as an assistant principal, I was like, nah, man, this, this, this got my name written all over. This, in, this is in my hood. This is, what I, this is what I'm about. So I put my name in the hat. And then uh, the director looked and was like, "Yo, this is this is the person," and um, they trusted in me. It was it was a big task because I'm like, "Yo, all right, now, now, you know, the pressure is on because they they took you up on your offer." You know what I mean? It wasn't no call call bluff. So you know, I just thought about what my mom said. You know, fuck it. You believe in yourself, you gonna you gonna rock it out. God didn't get you this far to give up on you now. So uh, I just took that. And said, "All right, I'm gonna give it all I got, you know, and let 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 whatever happens happens. If I fail, I'm gonna fail my way, mm. you know, and 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 I can hold myself up with dignity and honor to say, look, I did it my way, and and let the let the chips uh, lie where they lie, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Okay, okay. So, I guess for the people that's listening, we can kind of give a few tips." And go ahead and wrap it up. What, what I've learned, uh, just just getting to know you more, and I guess the listeners out there just getting to know you a little bit more, is that one of the biggest factors is being authentic. And I think, yeah. I think, like just you being authentic, you were able to build relationships with kids, being able to connect with them, and then you know, putting yourself in a position where. The requirements were saying three years, but she was like, nah, I'm I'm like, I'm that guy right now, right now, to to yeah. take full control and really be the leader of the school. And then you still being the leader. And I know like I'm pretty sure you got, like you said, like crazy meetings and you yep. got a lot going on. But and I, and I just based off your based off what I see, I still see that you still find time to build genuine relationships with the kids. So I guess like yeah. you kind of give people um, what are some tips on how to be authentic, how to be your true authentic self? Because some people, like, when you look at Instagram, social media, music videos, they feel like they have to be like them. And that's and for some people, that's not them. You know what I'm saying? They just yeah. trying to be somebody that they're not. And that and that's and yep. so how what's some tips? You know, you could get- I, I think the biggest the biggest tip is what you, you said. You gotta you gotta be self aware. Yeah. You gotta kinda dive into and look in the mirror. Know who you are. Like, know your educational philosophy. Know what you stand on, what you stand by. But, but bigger, than, bigger than that is 
know your strengths and know your weaknesses. Yeah. Right. And 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 and, and then once you once you do that, start asking people you trust around you. That's why that village is so important. Off of what what hey, looking at me, hearing from me, what do you think my strengths are? So now you're starting to get more data on yourself to know truly because there's some people I don't know if you ever met somebody that they they think they may think that they're good in something and, and then they ask you like no nah, no nah, you're not really good in that bro like, yeah. you're not good in that like you're not you're not good like some some people got some false hopes off about what they man you know I'm good in basketball man I did it. like no nah, you're not you're not really good or in in the educational world like I'm a really I'm really great at being creative and artsy you go in a room and you're like. You don't even no. This is not you're not. That's not your strength, and it's understandably just be like, all right, cool. That's not my strength. Find your strength, right, and find what you do. I'm not saying go out and try to be like me and be be find yourself. It's perfectly fine if yourself and I got mentors to rock. Like they wear the three piece suits. They got the they got the you know all that. That's that's them. That's their authentic self, you know. But then you have people that 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 suppress themselves that don't let. Uh, students know who they truly are. That don't, let, which is cool. That's how you want to do it. But in my humble opinion, um, for our students that are at Hope, they need to be inspired not just by learning. But they need to be inspired by your story. Like while we're here right now, is people are inspired, and when they're inspired, when they're motivated, and then you provide them with a game plan for success, you're ahead of the game. You know, uh, and I think too many people try to give them a game plan of success without giving them the inspiration and motivation. Ooh, let's go. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that, that, that's the, that's the dilemma. So many teachers is like, I'm gonna give you the game plan, but I'm not going to give you the critical uh, parts on how you're going to succeed at this game plan. So I think that's the, that's the, that's the biggest part. And I know for me subconsciously is that I know, what this world is going to provide and what this world is going to look at when my students are at those colleges or are those business women and men are like, they're going to be looked at a certain way. So I got to teach them how to code switch. I got to teach them how to do these different things, unfortunately. And I need to show them. I need to model. My father told me, he said, people don't do what you say to do. They do what you do. Yeah. You know, and you can say all the things, but if you're not being a product of what you're saying, you got to be able to walk the talk. And if you're not walking the talk, then, you know, you can't, most likely, the, the data shows that those people that you're trying to deliver the message won't do it as well. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, man. That, Hey, man, that that that's still the cake right there, man. Um, I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, man. Like I said, it's been, like, on my mind to get you uh, to interview you forever. I just... I finally uh, found a way to anchor. And I'll, I'll just say, I was, like, super pumped. So I appreciate you, man. And I, I really like uh, what you're doing in, in the community and for the kids and for people who, uh, you know, like you already know how it is in our community, man. Maybe single single household, you know, growing up in poverty, the whole nine. Yep. And just able to come to school and then see you doing what you're doing, like, that can kind of create a, a safe environment for some of them. You know what I mean? For a lot of them, actually. So, yeah, man, I really honor it, and I respect it. So, uh, I guess we'll wrap it up. Uh, one more, two more questions. Okay. Where do you see your school, or where do you see yourself um, in the next five years? Perfect, man. I, I see myself still at the U. Uh, I want to be one of those long-term principals that that's there, that's the product of the community, 
uh, that that is just still there and still being a, a, a social change agent. So when my students are out there doing great things, you know, their kids can come or, or their cousins and they're like, oh, yeah, Principal Raw's still there. Like, that's, that's a dream of mine, to be able to see my kids as adults and they can come back to the school as adults and say, man, yeah, Principal Raw did X, Y, and Z or the school did X, Y, and Z. Uh, that's one thing for me. Uh, the second thing is the school. I see us being uh, one of the best schools in our area. Uh, I want us to uh, achieve the award of being what is known as a California Distinguished School. So I want us to be a school that is recognized across the nation as being one of the best schools that provides uh, high-quality education while also being culturally relevant. And uh, just, just cool, man. That's, that's pretty much the next five years. Gotcha, gotcha. Where do you think that the people can find you? On Instagram, YouTube? Yeah, Insta- Instagram is the best way. Um, I'm also on Facebook. Uh, we have a, a private Facebook group called Revolutionary Educators. Uh, those who are in the private Facebook will get exclusive content from my new book that will be coming out uh, later this year and some merch from uh, Revolutionary Educators, uh, the Revolutionary Educator Movement. Nice, nice, man. Well, it was a pleasure interviewing you, hearing your story and just hearing how you started and kind of just breaking it down on how you know, being authentic is really one of the biggest ways to win and determination and hard work and how far it can really take you. So, again, I appreciate your time and I appreciate everybody uh, that listened to to this podcast. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, brother. All right, man. You have a great rest of your day, man. Thank you. All right. You too.